Welcome back, everyone. This is the Ohio Valley Athletics Podcast. Sean, this is episode number eight. I feel like it's episode number 80 because we've been having fun with these. I want to thank Ohio Valley Nutrition based out of St. Clairsville for sponsoring this episode and this podcast for the last three weeks. Great company, run, run by great people, small business. They care about what they do. So for everyone on here listening, if you've got weight loss goals, if you want to build muscle, whether you're an adult, whether you're a student, parent, athlete, go see them. They can help you out. Sean, I got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed. I'm surprised we have not got more small businesses fighting and clawing to get to get on this uh, podcast as a sponsor. And I got to thinking they might not know and they might not know what I'm about to say. I know you know it because I've shared it with you. Uh, but, you know, this is episode number eight, first year doing this, and we're averaging about 6,000 listeners across the Ohio Valley on every episode. The the one we had, Jose Davis, that one went wild. I think we ended up having around 13,000 listeners. That's not bad for the first year, uh, only eight episodes in. So for all the small businesses out there or large businesses, uh, we'd love to have your support. Um, uh, this site's been around since 2008, Ohio Valley Athletics has. And I've never made a profit any year. So if, if you want to sponsor with us, I don't want you to think that money's going to my pocket. That money is just to keep what we do alive. Sean's a great guy, but he doesn't do this for free. So those sponsors are able to help pay for him too. <laughs> so Ohio Valley Nutrition, thank you for supporting what we do. Right before we got on here, I said, Sean, this is going to be a good episode because we've had a lot of things happen this past week across the high school football in the Ohio Valley. It was a good week of college football. And then, boom, we had our Pittsburgh Steelers hit the field. So it's, it's, there's been a lot of good things that have happened in the last week. Sean, let's start with, let's start with high school football. Uh, we were talking a little bit about it before we jumped on here. I'm going to get you rolling. There's, there's two things that, that kind of stick out to me right now. Uh, I, I hate to I hate to kick somebody when they're down, uh, but I can't believe Martin's Ferry's 0 and 4. And as the season goes, it's just getting it's getting uglier and uglier. I was trying to do some research this week to figure to see when the last time Martin's Ferry's 0 and 4. And uh, I think it was the intelligencer said it hasn't been since the 70s. You know, so that puts us in a 35, 40 year range. I was trying to find historical records for them and I couldn't find it at least today. I'm going to try to dig that up. Uh, but from what we know, assuming the intelligence was right in what they said, 35, 40 years since the Purple Riders have been 0 and 4. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts there. And then also want to follow it up with, in prior episodes. We're giving John Marshall a hard time, um, you know, about them kind of having a tough time getting their program going since Coach Goodrich left there. They started the year with a complete butt kicking. They got beat 55-0 by university. And, and then they followed it up in week two with a, with the uh, shutout over Weir 36, nothing. And last week they beat a Preston team 48, uh, seven. So it's, it's great to see John Marshall at least get this season started off on a better note, two and one. They'll be playing Trimble from Ohio this week on a neutral field. They're th Trimble's three and O. Uh, I know you got a lot to talk about, about high school sports, but let's kick it off. Martin's Ferry, John Marshall's two schools from both sides of the river. What are your thoughts there? With Ferry, you know, the 0-4 is surprising no matter what, um, just because of the tradition. I mean, I, I believe – I could be wrong on this, but I think I'm, I think I'm not. Martins Ferry is in the top ten in the state of Ohio in career victories yeah. uh, by school. Yeah. Um, it's not what it once was. I mean, that, that's just the, the fact of the matter. And the other thing is you got to take a look at who they're playing. There's no, there's nobody that they've lost to 
so far this year that you look and say, oh, man, that's a bad loss. You look at it and say, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think Ferry's going to get its first victory this year, um, this week. That's a little teaser. The, the picks will be out uh, at some point here. Um, but I, I don't think it's it, it's about what Ferry isn't doing. I, I just think it has more to do with who Ferry's playing. I mean, it, it's been murderous road thus far. And this might this week might be the about the only breather that's on the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, when we had Coach Davis on a couple of weeks. We were talking about consolidation in Belmont County on the Ohio side of the river. And what we said was, if you go from Shady Side to say Dillonville, um, you know, you've got four or five different schools on the Ohio side. But if you go to the West Virginia side, that's all one school. That's Wheeling Park, or you could say Wheeling Park and in, in, uh, Wheeling Central. Um, when I, when I think about Martin's Ferry being 0 and 4, a program that was so prestigious, you, you look at the numbers. Um, I think they only have around 30 something kids on the team. Uh, you know, the entire team that doesn't give you, uh, you know, much depth. Um, Bridgeport numbers are low. Uh, Shady Side's having a nice year this year, and so is Belair. Um, but I, I take myself back to that conversation we had with Jose and maybe you don't consolidate the whole, whole Belmont County, or at least that all those schools on the river, maybe we don't do them all, but I, I can't help but think what, what would a Belair and Shady Side program look like if those two schools combined? And what would a, a Martins Ferry Bridgeport program look like if they combined, or heck, maybe even a Martins Ferry in the Buckeye local program, which Buckeye local, I know their numbers are still a little higher than, than some of the other schools, but their program has uh, been struggling for a couple of years. I can't imagine what, what would that look like? And the people that are listening on Belair and Shady side, they're probably vomiting in their mouth right now when I say that, <laughs> but from, from a program standpoint, and I'm just thinking about football right now, that's it selfishly that would be one hell of a program if those two schools are combined right now. Well, the reason they would probably be vomiting in their mouth is because both are undefeated this year, but it hasn't always been the case. I mean, you look at all the different schools that are over there. You, you take away, you take away shady side, which is a perennial power. Bel Air has had its ups and downs over the last decade, two decades. Um, but, but you take away Bel Air and shady side this year, and then St. Clairsville, everybody else is struggling. Mm-hmm. And it's a situation where as populations decline and continue to decline, and it doesn't look, unfortunately, like that's going to change here locally, uh, barring the cracker plant that has been rumored uh, to be coming, but is on hold indefinitely. But I, didn't know I, that. Don't know, I don't know that there's really an answer out there. I don't think it's the kids. I don't think it's necessarily the coaching. I think it's just – it's a numbers game. You, you look at these programs that once were fielding 60, 70, 80 kids, and they're – Friday nights are trotting out 30. Mm-hmm. It's just not there. 
Yep. For for any of our listeners who don't know, Shady Side is Forno, as is Belair Forno. And our power 15 rankings, we had Shady Side coming in number four in the Ohio Valley with Belair right behind him at number five. And that's really a coin toss between those two programs. We're actually going to get to see later this year what that could look like when they meet. Um but for the, if anybody hasn't seen our Power 15 rankings, they're on the website, www.ovathletics.com. I'll just go ahead and round out the first couple schools here. we got Steubenville coming in number one, 4-0. Haven't really been challenged all year. A very, very tough Lindsley program at 3-0. Their game's canceled this week, but uh, I heard through the grapevine that they might get somebody to fill in that also had their uh, games their, their game canceled. So be on the lookout for that. And they may end up playing this week. Wheeling Park coming in at number three. They're one-on-one. Their game last week was canceled. They're slated to play University this week. Shadyside at number four. Blair at number five. If you want to see six through 15, you got to go to the website. But that's a teaser <laughs> for, the first, for the first five. Sean, and I, I saw you post this on Twitter. And it got me, it got me thinking. You know, we've got Wheeling Park here, tough program. Their only loss was was to Steubenville. They looked sharp in, in, in both games, even in the loss of Steubenville for two and a half quarters. They looked sharp, playing with an edge. They're one-on-one. We got them ranked number three in our power 15, uh, and I think that's a deserving spot until we see what they can do in their third game of the year. When you go to Metro News, for folks on the Ohio side, Metro News is the, is the major publication based out of Charleston, West Virginia, and uh, Metro News posts their power rankings, which holds a lot of weight within the state of West Virginia. Uh, in West Virginia, you have three classifications, single A, double A, triple A. Uh, Wheeling Park is in triple A, and in Metro's uh, Metro News power top 10 in triple A, they didn't have Wheeling Park ranked, and you were on Twitter, Sean. You basically felt like that was one heck of a snub. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what you said, not a complete quote, but you said, you know, they've only lost one game to a team that would have beat probably everybody that is in the AAA top 10. Is it just me, Sean, or I feel like I feel like Charleston, the Metro News, has had something against Milling Park for as long as I can remember. I don't know. I mean, the, the poll – and honestly, I had the opportunity to vote on the poll, but I've just got too many things going on. And it was just something else that I, you know, I don't have time to follow everybody from around the state. But one of the problems is the turnover rate right now in the newspaper and the media business is substantial. And so what that means is you don't have a lot of guys who have been in the business for a long time and that really understand. Mm-hmm. They just look at Steubenville, Ohio, 45, Wheeling Park, 16, and go, oh, man, they got the crap kicked out of them. Mm-hmm. They don't know who Steubenville is, so they're, they're penalizing Wheeling Park for that. And at the end of the day, is it life or death? No. I just, I just find it silly. They, I mean, they only got – I mean, there's a lot of people that vote on this poll. And they only got 12 total votes. And I just, I don't really see that. I mean, and, and part of the problem is, and it's, it's been this way for a while, is that there isn't a lot of media up here. Yeah. There just isn't. Um, and so a, a place like Charleston or a place like Huntington or the Eastern Panhandle, they all see all those teams over there. So that's, that's what they're basing it on. And they've got more votes to throw around to those schools. 
Well, thankfully, th- something like this and is is nothing more than a reason to argue. I mean, that's what us guys do. It doesn't matter what it is in sports. We'll argue about it with you. But it'll play out on the field. And uh, to be honest with you, I think Wheeling Park's going to open some eyes this weekend. I really do. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that uh, I think I mean, they, they control their destiny here. They've got uh, – I think they probably have their toughest game behind them, um, being very competitive against a pretty good Steubenville team. Um, I think they could go on a really special run in the second half of the season. Uh, with one little asterisk is COVID. You know, you wrote a great article about that a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm neither of us are coaches right now. Well, you're a coach, uh, at a different level. Um, but none of, neither of us are, are, are head football coaches. I can't imagine what it's like trying to keep your team motivated right now with all the distractions of COVID, not just on the football field, but off the football field in the classroom. Um, you know, Wheeling Park again, didn't play last week. Um, I think that that's gonna, that's, that's gotta be a factor, you know, keeping your team sharp, keeping them crisp. There's a difference between, uh, the intensity that you practice with and that you play with, you get to measure, uh, you know, different type, different type of things in a game environment. Um, I think they got a heck of a game this week, but I, I think it's a disadvantage that they had to sit last week. Oh, it is in, in one aspect because they didn't play. And they likely didn't practice much, if any, because you, you have to go through all the contract tracing and all that stuff. Um, the positive of it is, is the game that got canceled was a big game. Villa Angelo St. Joe is no joke. Undefeated, um, a historically good program. Um, I, I, I want to say this about this weekend's game. You know, when you have this these COVID issues, you know, and I'm not sure exactly what they are, so I don't want to misspeak, but you, you have to have so many days where you're symptom-free or whatever or, you know, from contract tracing, whatever. Mm-hmm. This game actually got moved to Saturday night at 7.30. And I'm guessing because that's – because Wheeling Park needed that amount of time. And to do that, John Kelly in university, who – he's a class guy – he runs a great program. He runs a very good, clean program. Very well respected. He would, they would have had to agree to move that game in order for it to happen. And he did. And, I mean, I, I think that's just a, a great teaching tool for young coaches out there because this is a very losable game for university, which is 3-0. and and for him to, to do that, to try and make sure Wheeling Park is at full strength, I think that says a lot about the character and the man that John Kelly is. That's a great call out. I didn't know that. So thanks for sharing that. And I agree with everything you said. That's a great call out. There's some other games this week that stick out as, you know, if I could clone myself, there's about four places I'd want to be in the Ohio Valley this week. Sean, what games stick out to you? Well, uh, the University Park one um, on the West Virginia side, shady side at Wheeling Central. Um, you know, we talk all the time, and I think a lot of it's due to the fact that Wheeling Central has so many state titles. But for me, 
shady side is every bit the program that Wheeling Central is. They just don't get the respect because it's so much harder to win a state title in Ohio. So they don't have all those rings. Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to this game every single year. And it's a big one because Ohio this week hits the midway point. So if Shady Side wins this, you know what you're getting in, in terms of bonus points from Wheeling Central because Wheeling Central is going to go on to win a lot of games. And the exact same thing is true if Wheeling Central would win. Um, I, I'm also looking at, at the Dover and Steubenville game. It's, it's the lone road game of the year for Big Red out of 10 games, and it's probably its biggest game. But I, I have to tell you, I, I just – I don't know why. I just have a feeling that Steubenville is going to lay one on them. I think they're that good, and they're going to make another statement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, honestly, that the John Marshall game against Trimble, which is a D7 school, and everybody looks at that and says, oh, well, John Marshall should win that easily. Trimble is a, a perennial Ohio power in D7. Perhaps one of the most fundamentally sound teams I've ever seen play football. And this is coming, you know, I, I think Jay, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. I think JM is going to get beat. And this is coming from a JM grad. Check out the shirt right here. Okay. Yeah. JM is young, but they've got a kid, a freshman, who's starting at running back now since the second game by the name of Clipson Wallace. I'm going to tell you something. If you would see this kid, Brian, there's no way in hell you would believe he's a freshman in high school. He's a man child. And, I, I, and I'll tell you what, as good as he is in football, he's even better in wrestling. I mean, this kid's future is so freaking bright. It's not even funny. And once they started him, in the, it was, I guess, it was a situation where he was a freshman and they wanted him to earn his stripes. So he didn't start the university game, but he has ever since. And he's just absolutely tearing up and the future looks bright with him. But I I think Trimble will will give John Marshall everything it can handle. Um, I was looking forward to a couple games here on the West Virginia side. I was looking forward to uh, Cameron at Magnolia canceled because of COVID. Uh, Magnolia has been out of school for a, a while now. I think they're, they're out of school for two weeks. Um, Cameron, Sean, made me Sean I can't, keep, I can't keep up with this. So Cameron and Magnolia was one of the games I had circled here too. That was going to be just a, a, a backyard brawl of two teams just beating the heck out of each other. I can't believe that's canceled. I knew Magnolia had some issues and only played two games up to this point in the year. I did not know that game was canceled. I literally can't keep up with it right now. Yeah, I think they shut the school down. So I, I think I heard that they're they're done for two weeks. They're, they're not going to be uh, in school. Um, so I, I one- knew they shut the school down, and this is my own ignorance. I, I thought that they had plans. I knew that first week it was we, we don't have, you know, everything was kind of in limbo. But I thought that they had plans to take it to take learning remote, and then I'll, and then with also a plan to get kids back on the athletic field. So my 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 information was wrong. They don't have a plan. They just everything's. I mean, done. that might have been true. I'm not sure. I, I I can't speak to that to be honest with you. But and that game I, is not happening this week. It is not happening, and 
another game I was looking forward to was Lindsley at Princeton, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Two undefeated teams, Princeton triple A team with a big time passing attack. Um, but that's not gonna happen. And and you talk about somebody who will play anybody anywhere. Lindsley's begging anybody and everybody to play. I mean, I saw some I saw some school post on some school I'd never heard of from Ohio. And they posted on Twitter last night. Uh, you know, our game got canceled because of COVID. We're looking for a game. And Lindsley's, Lindsley's football uh, account responded, you want to play? And it's like, we don't know anything about you. We don't have any tape on you. It doesn't matter. Let's go. Yeah, I, I saw that too. And for all the negative things about social media, it only takes one instance like that where I say, damn, I'm so glad we have these platforms. Because yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, I, I, I think that they're going – I don't know if they're going to play them this week, um, but from what I understand, Lindsley's talking to a couple a couple programs, and I've, I've, through good intel, it sounds like they feel good they're going to be able to game, get a game in this week. So hopefully they're able to make that happen. Sean, I had a couple other games on here. Um, I like this Cambridge-Blair game. Blair is obviously a good program. Uh, they, went, they went foot-to-foot. Shoulder, shoulder, nose to nose with Wheeling Central this past weekend. We're going to get into more detail on that here in a bit. This Cambridge team's three and one. They're scoring some points. Uh, last week, not only did they score some points, they didn't let uh, Beechcroft score at all in a twenty-two nothing shutout. I, I know you've got your rankings, so I don't want to your predictions for this week. So I don't want to give you to give too much away. I, and I haven't taken a look at them in full disclosure, so I'm not sure what you picked here. Um, but you, I said earlier, backyard brawl where two teams are going to just beat the snot out of each other. I think this is going to be one of those games. Um, I think this is going to be a real hard-fought game. I think the the advantage, though, is that it's going to be on Nelson Field, which gives Blair a little bit of advantage uh, over Cambridge, in my opinion. But I think this is going to be one heck of a game. I do, too. And, you know, I, I you never know because, like I said, Beller has been up and it's been down in the last decade or so. Um, you just never know, but I'll tell you what, last week you take out Wheeling central, you open my eyes, you make a believer out of me, uh, Cambridge, obviously a lot bigger school, um, than Bel Air is. We'll see. I, I think that's going to be a good game as well. Um, I, I just, I don't want to look ahead, but I, I'm just staring at that Bel Air shady side game thinking, wow. So while we're talking about uh, Blair, Wheeling Central, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on what happened this past week. It was all over social media. Uh, we were able to secure a video and we posted it on our on our Facebook. Uh, there, there was there was a long string of events. And if you haven't seen the video, I'd encourage you to take a look at it. There was a long string of events that happened over about a 30 second period during that game. Uh, where there was uh, potentially, I say potentially because I wasn't at the game. I'm just viewing this from the, from video and, and what I heard. Uh, potentially a late hit that was either very close or out of bounds. Uh, when that late hit happened, that was from a Wheeling Central defender to a Blair ball carrier. Uh, when that late hit happened um, on the sidelines, the a Blair player and potentially a Blair coach got into a, a, a hand altercation with the Wheeling Central player. I say potentially because it's unclear. It's very clear that the Wheeling Central player was pushed uh, backwards. It's unclear if that was from a Blair player or a Blair coach. 
And that was what caught a lot of traction on social media. Again, we posted the video. I watched it several times. To me, it's unclear exactly what happened, uh, you know, how that player went backwards. And then um, we didn't post the full video because of the length. But as the video plays out, uh, several coaches run the field, uh, Blair coaches, Wheeling Central coaches, uh, motions were high. It looked like, truthfully, it was just not a the best moment for, for either team uh, for about a minute or so. Sean, I'm assuming you got a chance to take a look at that video. I've got, I've went back and forth on this. I'm probably going to surprise you with my thoughts. I want to punt the ball over to you. What are your thoughts on what happened there? You know, for me, uh, it's unclear as well. Um, But I'm going to give, and I don't even know who it is, to be honest with you. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the coach. Um, To me, it looked like a perfect storm of when that kid was coming, getting back up off the ground from Wheeling Central. The play was continuing, and it looked to me that the Bel Air coach's legs and ankles got rolled up on, and it made him lean forward and look like that. I can't tell you, again, same as you, I wasn't there. But that's what it looked like for, to me. And I, I'll say this. I, I would just really hope that I'm correct because, you know, in softball one year, we had a situation. We're at 10U. At this point, we were, we were 10U. We were in a tournament. And we're, at that age, you're just learning things. And mm-hmm. – we had a girl go into second base and she slid late because at that age, you, you haven't slid very often yeah. and you just aren't the mechanics of it. The timing of it's just not good. And it, it ended up being a late unintentional slide. And she caught the shortstop with her cleat. Well, the, the shortstop was down on the ground, a coach from the other team, like our kid didn't move because she was like scared because, she knew that somebody got hurt and that was probably the first time that she had been involved in a situation like that. A coach from another team came out running out, hit our kid on the helmet and said, what are you doing now? As a parent, it wasn't my kid, but when you're coaching, all the kids are your kids. You know what I mean? Absolutely. so, So you get very protective. Let me tell you, it almost became one of those scenes that you see people posting now on social media of parents that quote unquote parents that don't know how to behave or are taking things too seriously. Yep. Um, So I have seen it happen, but not knowing the person involved and just from my personal view, I, I, I don't believe that the coach actually pushed the player. Yeah. So I went through a couple of different feelings on this, Sean through social media and even the message board on our website, there was a lot of finger pointing from Wheeling fans and Blair fans that accusing each other of being cheap. And I want to say right now, first is I know, I know the coaching staff on both sides, Blair and Wheeling central. And the, I would not by any stretch consider any of them unethical staffs. And I, 
I honestly can't say that about every school in the Valley, unfortunately. I, they're ethical people. I would not consider either of those staffs to train or coach their teams to be cheap uh, and, to, and to play like that. Uh, I do think it was, if you watch the video, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't pretty. It wasn't the best moment for either sidelines. Um, with that said, when I first saw the video, Sean, I, I saw it on Twitter. And my first response, literally, I, I tweeted this and I, I, I later deleted it because I was wrong. I said that, that coach should never be on the sidelines again. And it was nothing against him personally. That was my initial reaction. And about, about three hours later, I deleted. I probably deleted maybe 10 tweets in my life. Um, eight of them were because I drank too much and I just didn't like them. I didn't like the way they looked. Uh, Been the there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> this one, it was, I deleted it because it wasn't fair for me to say that. I fell into cancel culture, Sean. Uh, I've probably done it before, but that's the first time where I, I really noticed that I did it. Because, you know, we, we have this, this, this culture that we want to be, we want to finger point and we want to like wave our hands that we're on the side of what's good. And after I watched it a couple more times, it wasn't clear. You know, when you watch it the first time, you know, you're looking at it as I look, I honestly, I watched it the first time that the tag said something to the effect of look at this coach, push a player. Well, if you watch it looking for that, that's what it looks like. But then I watched it a couple more times of did he fall backwards? Did, you know, was he off balance? And when you watch it thinking that somebody's off balance, it looks like they're off balance. When you watch it thinking that the coach fell backwards, you see the coach fall backwards. When you watch it saying this kid was tripped, then you see a kid trip. Um, and then I also put myself into, into the moment. Sean, you've been on a lot of sidelines. Heck, you've probably been on more sidelines and more locker rooms than me. I put myself in the moment. These coaches don't, aren't paid a whole lot of money, even the head coaches, and this wasn't a head coach. Uh, in fact, I think that this was not even a varsity coach, so he's probably not even paid. He's a volunteer. Um, you know, this guy's out there volunteering his time on a Saturday. Emotions are high. Uh, it, it, there was a flag. It was deemed, I think, a late hit um, on the sidelines. I think the coach was probably, and I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm putting myself in the moment, probably protecting one of, as you said, and I agree with his players, not protecting like I'm going to swing a punch at this kid, but I'm going to make sure because the kid looked like he had a concussion. The kid wasn't moving on the ground. It was a violent hit. Um, I think the coach was saying, I got to protect this kid. And I put myself into that moment as a coach. What would I have done? Probably the exact same thing if the coach did push the player back, not push them maliciously, but push them in defense of the player. I also put myself in the shoes of I'm a parent and that was my boy on the ground. I would have bought him dinner for, for protecting my kid. I, I know what I'm saying is not going to be popular with a lot of people listening to this, but when I stepped back and I looked at this from all angles, you know, if you want to be part of cancel culture then be part of it, cause I was for a minute too. Go, you know, say he should be fired, but also put some humanity into this and think, what, what if you were on those sidelines and those were your kids? What if that was your boy? Would you, how would you have felt if he just stood there while the other kid and, and, and not even kid defenders could have fell on him, right? Just through the natural course of football, he was unprotected. 
Um, he has said, again, I went back and forth on a lot, but I'll tell you what I was guilty of was judging very quickly before I had time to really think about what happened. And, and damn it, isn't that, a, isn't that such a problem with, with our society today? We see, we see a 15 second clip and we think we're experts, you know, we think we can judge the situation, be the, be the judge and the jury. And I was for a second and I was wrong for that. And again, I don't know the guy, so I can't speak on him, but to your point, you're exactly right. And listen, if it comes out or if he did, it's a situation we'll never know because it's always going to be a he said, she said, but let's just say for one second, for argument's sake, that he did push the kid. Okay. The problem I have is, well, first of all, you can't ever do that. So I'm not condoning it, but we as human beings could do 1000 straight things correctly. And for some reason, as a society, we want to judge people on their worst days on the one time that maybe they didn't have it together. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who has made more than his fair share of mistakes, I'm glad that I've never been on that end of it. I've had people who have taken up for me and I've had people who stood up for me and say, listen, you know, this is a good guy. That might not have been the coolest thing in the world that he did, but I know him and that's not who he is. And I, I'm, I'm thankful for people like that. And you know, as well as I do. And, and as you get older, you have less of those people around. Um, as you get older, your, your circle gets smaller. Like I, I'm not even sure my circle makes a circle anymore. That's how small it is. And part of that is just the natural weeding out process. And part of that's by design. I mean, I think you find a couple people that you really can rely on in life. And, and those are the people that, that you're going to stick by because they stick by you. So I, I agree. Um, we're, we're just, and not just in this situation, but in life in general, we're so quick these days to throw somebody away um, rather than getting them help or working with them to, to find out what the problem is. It's just like, oh, you, you got something wrong with you. Go over here. Go away. We're, we're going to pretend like you don't exist anymore. And it's sad um, because any one of us could be in that situation at any given moment. Yep, I agree. Yeah, to, to close that up for, for all of our listeners that are from the Wheeling area, they're Wheeling Central fans. For, for all of our listeners out there that think the Blair coaching staff is, is made up of a bunch of cheap, unethical, rotten people, I, I want to tell you you're wrong. That staff's made up of a bunch of good people that are trying to, to coach young kids to be winners. Um, I don't think that good programs are undefeated by accident. You do that by, by having a lot of good things come together. And I, I want to say the exact same thing to all the folks in, in Blair they're saying willing, the same thing about Willing Central. You're dead wrong. Uh, that that staff doesn't teach uh, violent you know, violence and unethical practices. Same thing. Uh, I, I think it was just a high emotion, an ugly minute and a half of emotions. But for people pointing fingers at the coaching staff on both sides, I, I think you're. I think you got to check yourself. I know these folks. Uh, I know the Wheeling Central staff very well. Every every coach on that staff. I know half of the Blair coaching staff pretty well. They're all good people. Give them a break. 
things happen in the game of football. It's a very emotional sport. Uh, it's, it's, we got video like we've never had before. Uh, for some people, you got an inside look at what football looks like. It's, it's not soccer. No offense of our soccer folks, but football is a violent game with high emotions and you got a real close look at what it looks like. So, so moving on, Sean, let's jump to college football. It was a fun weekend of college football. And I'm even saying that as a Buckeye fan, let's start with your Mountaineers. They played LIU. I had to Google who the heck that was on Saturday. Long Island University. I was surprised that they're actually D1. I thought they were playing D3, Long Island University. I figured Long Island was probably playing Bethany College next week. Uh, but they won, and they, and they won decisively. I actually don't have the score in front of me. I think it was like 59 or 60-something. 66-nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hey, every, everybody kind of plays that tune-up game. Uh, nothing wrong with it. Not going to knock it. Uh, those tune-up games are very profitable for the team on the other side of it. Uh, LIU probably got a nice paycheck to pay, play WVU for you know for that tune-up game. Uh, so hopefully they take advantage of that of getting their team back on track and getting some some chemistry there. West Liberty picked up a shutout. Keep me honest, Alderson brought us. Am I saying that correctly, Sean? Yep. Yep, they yep. got a they got a shutout over Alderson Broadus, our first shutout in about 10 years. Hey, something interesting here. I, I really hate to do this. I, I hate to knock on on, on these kids because even though they're in college, they're still kids. Uh, but they're 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 starting quarterback from last year and their first game this year, Jack Allison. This kid was a uh, an all-American from from Miami, Florida. Uh, was at WVU. When he was in high school, he was ranked by ESPN the 68th best athlete in the country, Sean. Not quarterback, athlete. He goes to WVU, doesn't play a whole lot. This Jack Allison kid, he fits all the things you'd like to see as a quarterback. Smart, gets great grades. He's 6'5", 210 pounds, works hard in the weight room. By all means, a great kid. Comes to WVU last year as a graduate, You know, gets extended that extra year because of COVID. He's just not getting it done on the football field. There was, there, there was, I, I was really interested to see what he's going to do last year. You know, last year was crazy. Spring game, abbreviated year. West Liberty's first game against Notre Dame College. I'm going off memory here. I believe he threw, it was at least five interceptions, possibly six. And I said, that's pretty crazy. You know, I figured this kid from WVU coming down was going to tear it up. He, he just didn't have a great year. West Liberty got beat first game of the year. Jack, Jack Allison was at quarterback, uh, threw one touchdown, one interception, 140 yards. He actually sat out this week because of injury. Uh, West Liberty played quarterback uh, Jamie Divin from South Fayette. That's just outside of Pittsburgh. He's a redshirt freshman. He threw for 240 yards, three touchdowns, uh, one interception. He got the ball moving for West Liberty. West Liberty won that game, I believe, 28 to nothing. Uh, I don't have it from me, but I believe it was 28 to nothing. But they look good offensively. I hate to knock a kid when he's down from injury, but I think West Liberty might have a quarterback controversy here, Sean. What do you think? You know, and I'm the same as you. I don't like to knock, knock people. But he's an example of one of my biggest pet peeves other than preseason ranking teams. It's He's a recruiting guy. He's a workout warrior. You know, whenever he gets in a workout setting, he blows you, he just blows your mind. Yep. But there, there, there's nobody on the other side of him. Yep. And you, you know, as well as I do with these, 
rankings and and these offers and things of that nature, it's a situation where I don't care what program you are, even your Alabamas or Clemsons, you can't personally see every kid. You just can't. So Team B down here, which is a very good program, offers a kid. And then the rest of the big name people come in and also offer him because, hey, if they're doing it, he must be a stud. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the kid's profile is up here and his game's down here. And it's not fair to the kid. It's not his fault that the expectations were what they were. But, I mean, you're looking at it. He went to Miami, left Miami, went to WVU, barely got on the field at WVU. And then somehow ends up at West Liberty. And the natural trajectory, you would think, was that he's going to come down here and set the world on fire. Yep, blow it up. It it hasn't happened. And I I can't say for certain why, but, I mean, we've got enough evidence now. If you're bouncing around that much and you're that high thought of coming out of high school, that just that that's again that screams workout warrior to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Other local teams around the High Valley, Bethany, the Bethany Bison, they fell to Grove City. That takes Bethany to zero and two on the year. Wheeling College off to a rough start, or Wheeling University, I should say, they're zero and two. They did lose to Notre Dame College this past week. Who Notre Dame College is nationally ranked. West Liberty gets their chance at Notre Dame this coming week. And then my Ohio State Buckeyes, Sean, you're probably loving this. Ohio State falls to quack, Oregon. Quack. Yeah, you know, this was a tale of two halves. I feel like Ohio State ran out of time. First half, they played they played just a bad half of football. Uh, I shouldn't say bad half. It wasn't bad. They didn't play a great half of football. Uh, they probably played a bad half defensively, not a great half offensively. Second half, they, they played actually a really good half offensively and they didn't play as bad defensively. You know where I'm at, Sean. I love football. I love Ohio State. I am a homer when it comes to Ohio State and, and, and the Steelers, but I also try to be real. We're not a top, top 10 program, at least last week. Uh, we fell out of the top 10. We're ranked number 11. I'm just fine with that. The, the way our defense looked, um, w- you know, we're not a top five program. We're not a top 10 program. They've got a lot of holes in that defense they got to fix. And for the, for the talent they have on that team, uh, it was, I was surprised and I was disappointed to see. Now, Oregon's good. I don't want to take any, anything away from them. It's not like, you know, it's not like they played a D3 program. Um, having said that, though, uh, the, the, the holes that the Oregon running back was running through were gigantic. You know, the, the couple of these, he, he had three runs for 50 yards that were uncontested. If you, if you're watching the game, they made him sound like Barry Sanders, but it was, they were uncontested. We had some kids in the high Valley that could have, could have had these runs with no disrespect to those kids. Um, that's what was surprising. The fundamentally, the reads were, were, were very off. So Ohio state's got some defensive problems. They got to fix with that said, I, I was a little disappointed. I saw a, an article come through Ryan day today. I don't know if he's being serious or if he's just trying to humor the media, but he said, you know, there's, he, he basically said that I'm going to make some changes to the defense this week, uh, uh, personnel changes and then coaching changes. And 
I'm curious to see what he does there. If, if he's going to let a coach go, specifically a D coordinator or rearrange a defensive coordinator, I think that that says more about him than the defensive coordinator. I think that's going to be a very desperate move. You just lost to a good Oregon team. To go on the media and say that you're going to change your coaching staff after losing to a team that's now ranked in top five, to me, that's a head scratcher. You know, we didn't see Dabo Sweeney after they lost their first game of the season to a great Georgia team go say he's going to fire his, his offensive coordinator because he only had two rushing yards. That's out of character, right? So that, that was a head scratcher to, to me from Ryan Day there. I think that shows just his head coaching and maturity and probably some growing pains there for him. You, you don't see that. Um, usually any questions that even remotely try to lead a, a coach, let alone – one of a, pro, a program of a high state stature, anytime they even try to lead them down a road like that, it's just cliche this and that, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, you're, I think they've got big problems defensively. Um, it, it showed last week with, like you were talking about, the, those gaping running lanes. And it goes back another week, too. I mean, they got out of there with a victory, but it was a shootout. I mean, yep. they, they're giving up. They're giving up a lot of points. But listen, just as we talked about last week, Brian, all is not lost. You are Ohio State. You only fell to 11. <laughs> you're going to be there in the end because you're given the opportunity. <laughs> I hope you're right, Sean. So, hey, let's jump to the NFL. I want to go on record and remind everybody that last week I said that we have a Super Bowl team. Now, I will be the first to admit that I'm a homer here. And I will admit that, uh, you know, everybody's going to say it's easy to say this now, but I said we were going to beat the Bills last week. I said that on our podcast. I talked about our depth as being a difference maker between this Pittsburgh Steeler team and some of our years past. I was not surprised at all that we beat Buffalo. Uh, I was not surprised at all that we beat them. I was surprised uh, at a couple things, Sean. Now, I know you're a Steelers fan. Uh, probably a, as big, if not a bigger one than me. I think you also can be a little bit more uh, objective than me at times. <laughs> I will say there's a couple of things that surprised me here. Um, I was actually surprised at how incredible our defense looked. I knew our defense was strong. It looked stronger than I anticipated. Ingram replacing Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree had a breakout year last year. Uh, I knew Ingram wasn't going to be no slouch. It's only one game, so I, I, you know, I don't want to go over the top here, but Ingram looked like he might be an upgrade over Bud Dupree in game one. Um, on, a, on a flip side, I'll tell you what I was upset about, and it's, I could talk about the offensive line. You know, I, thought, I thought Harris was going to break off, but that's actually not it. I'm a huge Big Ben fan, but I got to tell you, he showed some age. Now, I think he's, he's still our starter. I still think he's in the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL this year. But when he was moving around the pocket, Sean, he didn't look the same. And it, it didn't have nothing to do with weight. Everybody wants to talk about that. He, he just looked like a 39-year-old man trying to play in the NFL. He, if We got to protect him because he does not have the movement, in my opinion, that he's had just as recently as last year and years past but he's never been overly athletic even on the plays that he makes it's always looked like he's laboring 
It's uh, it's it's never it's never ever looked pretty, but somehow he just he he gets it done, and he rather than running around back there all the time and running from one side or the other, he's gotten very good I think at just those slight foot adjustments, one step up in the pocket, one step to the left, just barely enough to avoid the pressure and give those receivers an extra half a second. For me. You know, it, it, it's funny that you started off like you did with the defense because I, I feel the exact same thing. I knew the defense was good. I didn't know it was that good because there were question marks in the secondary. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where's Cam Sutton going to play? How, how does Pierre fit in there? Listen, that back end this weekend was shut down caliber across the board. Mm-hmm. There wasn't one guy where you're like, oh, my God. I hope they don't pick on him. Good luck. Stephon Diggs, nothing. Got mm-hmm. nothing. And I had to, and you did too, and anybody who's a Steeler fan had to sit back. And I, I, I said this on Twitter after the game. We had to sit back and listen all summer to how, when I was at a bar the night before the game, Saturday night, and my good buddy was telling me how Buffalo was just going to ram us. And I, I heard that all summer. Listen to me, okay? Don't get caught up in the hype. Buffalo was good for one year out of the last two decades. Josh Allen had one really good year of his entire life. Let's slow down the train. You, this, is a, this is a sport and this is a league and a profession where you have to do it over and over and over again, okay? The guy on the other side wearing number seven who gets bashed constantly has thrown for 60,000 yards in this league. 60,000. Okay? Josh Allen, I think he's a I, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Let's stop trying to fit the guy with a gold jacket before he does it a couple years in a row. I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, he's got all kinds of athletic ability, but I just don't see the poise. I don't see the consistency with him. And you know, I was watching one of those loudmouth shows or a clip of one uh, yesterday, and they're talking about, you know, what's the strength of Pittsburgh's defense? It's pass rush. They're going to get after you. Mm-hmm. So your your game plan is to have your quarterback throw it 51 times? Not very smart. But that defense, I'm telling you what, Cam Hayward, I'm, I'm telling you, he is the defense's version of Ben Roethlisberger. Whenever he's gone, suddenly you're going to be like, oh, my God. Cam Hayward was really good. And he's never got the the notoriety that that I think he deserves. And, I mean, you look at it, we did that without Stephon Tewitt, who another guy who doesn't get the credit he deserves. But the, the one guy. And I said this last year when they fell, the Steelers fell off down the stretch and the defense started to give up a bunch of yards and a bunch of points. You know what that coincided with? That coincided with the injury to Tyson Alualu. He doesn't make a ton of plays, but what he does is he takes up two or three offensive linemen every play. He's just a solid, if unspectacular player. He was amazing on Sunday. And I, 
of all the guys that we have on defense, I think we've got nine first-rounders over there. To me, Tyson Alualu is the key to our defense. That's a good take. That's a real good take. Hey, let's let's jump back to the quarterback situation. You, you said a lot of things I agree with. I think Josh Allen is, is a heck of an athlete. I think it's yet to be told how great of a quarterback he's going to be. Going into this game, we were they were talking about him. Everything you said, like he he's we might as well get his gold jacket ready, you know, because he's going to be MVP and 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 Buffalo is going to win the Super Bowl. When when I hear those things, it's it frustrates me at the lack of respect that Big Ben gets. You got this. You got this guy that goes out there, puts together a great year. Big Ben's put together. 17 really good years. Well, I'll be fair, probably 14 really, really good years. Sean, going into this year, he's seventh in all-time history in passing yards. If he if he plays out the rest of the year, he's going to be top five. He's thrown for 60,000 passing yards. Dan Marino's in front of him with 61,000. Phillip Rivers is number five at 63. So if he throws for 3,000 yards this year, which he will, he's going to slip up to number five. So we're going to have, you know, at the end of this year, in all likelihood, a quarterback that all time in NFL history is is in the top five of passing yards. And you haven't heard one analyst talk about Big Ben being a good quarterback in the last 10 years. But but Josh Allen has one good year and, and we got to get his gold jacket ready. It's top t- Big Ben is top 10 in passing yards. He's top 10 in touchdowns. You look at the number of wins he has. He's played in three Super Bowls. He's won two. And, you know, it's – I'm a huge Big Ben fan, so I, I'm really touchy on it. You know, it, it's just simple things like, you know, when the NFL puts out these little memes at the beginning of every year, you know, we're back or whatever, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they've got, like, one person from – one player from every team. Now it's T.J. Watt. A couple years ago, it was Juju. A couple years before that, it was A.B. You know, it's never been him. And I'm not sure what the heck the problem is, but it's it's so damn frustrating to me. I mean, he's going to end up top 10 in all the important categories. Top 10 to Mm -hmm. ever play this game. And it's like he doesn't exist. It's, It's unbelievable. And it's funny. Because the other day in that game, after they made the comeback and, and they looked like they were going to win, and I'm not, I'm not even sure who the, the, the color guy was, he was like giving Ben credit for being a, an unbelievable leader and spearheading this rally. And I'm like, we go from not giving this guy any props to now giving him ridiculous props for stuff that he had nothing to do with. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to do with, but it was just over the top. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's as Steelers fans, it's going to be very enjoyable. If we can, I said it last week, I think if, if we can keep a couple players in, injury free, we're going to have a special year. Um, ben Roethlisberger, Najee Harris, uh, Cam Hayward. Um, there's one more that I'm, I'm forgetting. Um, but there's a couple of players that we just can't re- we can't afford to lose. If we keep those guys healthy. It's going to be a special year, and I'm going to enjoy leaning back in my chair, laughing at ESPN and everybody else uh, with their foot in their mouth, trying to catch up, talking about how great we are when we weren't 
again for the second year in a row and not predicted to win our division. And, you know, I, I want to touch also on the Cleveland Browns because I know we have a lot of Browns fans in this area. I make fun of the Browns all the time because I'm a Steeler fan and I hate the Browns, okay? I, I, they're like our, our little brother. We pick on them all the time. But I'm telling you, this week's loss, notwithstanding, don't lose your heads here. I, I think the Browns are legit. I think they're going to be there in the end. It was just one of those situations where they're trying. And I think Kevin Stefanski is a very good coach, especially offensively. Um, so I think after years of trying, I think they finally got that right. Um, it was just a situation where you're, where you're trying to build a culture and you're trying to figure out how to win on a consistent basis. I felt like things, uh, one thing went wrong and it kind of snowballed on them the other day against Kansas city. Cleveland's a very good team and Cleveland's going to be there and it's going to be between Cleveland and Pittsburgh fighting for that AFC North title. And I didn't say that because the Ravens are just too riddled with injuries at key positions. I just, I just don't see it. And I don't care what anybody says. I'm not picking on him for any reason other than the fact that I, I, I feel strongly about this. I, I think Lamar Jackson is incredibly overrated. The, the key to, to stopping Lamar Jackson is to not let them get manageable third downs, you know, third and three, third and four, because then you're at his mercy. If you get Lamar Jackson in a situation where he has to throw and you have bracket coverage on the tight end, he's in big trouble, and he's very, very ordinary. You look at his numbers against the Steelers. It's not good. It's multiple turnovers every single time, and not just multiple. We're talking four, three, four turnovers a game because they're, they just don't – I don't want to say mm-hmm. they don't fear him, but they understand the situation. You and with them on like their 27th string running back already, that 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 cushion's not going to be there now. We're going to see Lamar Jackson have to throw for the Baltimore Ravens to win, and he's going to have to throw consistency consistently, and he's going to throw a lot. If he can do that, which right now I don't think he can, then I, I'll shut my mouth about him. Completely agree with you, Lamar Jackson to me is a system quarterback. Uh, he's not a quarterback that leads your team. And, and here's what I mean by that is Lamar Jackson, they create a system for him rather than Lamar Jackson. Here's what he doesn't do. And this isn't necessarily a knock on him specifically because there's probably, if I thought about it, I can name about seven or eight other quarterbacks in the NFL that are just like him. And then there's about 20 that aren't like this. Uh, or that do do this. Lamar Jackson is not the guy that goes up to the line of scrimmage, takes several back and forth looks at the defense, checks the defense, audibles out, changes it, lets the defense change back, then calls another audible. That guy's lining up and calling whatever play was called. And then he makes a play. If, if it wasn't a good call, he makes up for it with his legs and athleticism. A lot of his best plays are broken plays, and it's really tough to defend a broken play because you don't know what the heck he's going to do. And there's a couple other guys in the NFL that are like that. You can't. It's it's tough to guard that. But what he's not going to do again is is go up and quarterback you out. He's not going to Peyton Manning. He's not even going to Ben Roethlisberger you, where they're going to read the defense and say, "Up, oh, let me audible out of this because I think we have a better play call." That's not Lamar Jackson's game. 
Uh, so I agree with you. And I think he's going to have trouble with us because we're one of the top teams in the NFL disguising what we do. It's really tough to tell what the Pittsburgh Steeler defense is going to bring at you. I think we can play him well, and we have in the past. Now, go back to what you said about Cleveland. I agree with you, Sean. Uh, Buckeye fans and Steeler fans, I drive them nuts because I don't hate Michigan and I don't hate Cleveland. I want to beat them, but I don't hate them. Uh, I want to see Michigan win when we're not playing them, and I want to see the Browns win when we're not playing them. Um, I like Baker Mayfield. I like the way Cleveland plays football. Uh, being a former running back myself, I love pounding the ball. Uh, I, I can't think in the and eh, there's been some pretty good running back tandems. I was going to say I can't think in my lifetime where I've seen a team with two better running backs. I have seen a team with with a good ground game. Cleveland in, in recent memory is is one of the better ones. Love Nick Chubb. Throwback running back style. Love Nick Chubb. They got some pretty good receivers too. Um, I like the way Jarvis Landry plays. He reminds me a lot of Antonio Brown on the field, but he doesn't act like Antonio Brown off the field. Cleveland on paper has a Super Bowl team. Their team is dangerous. Uh, defensive defensive ends, Clowney and 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 Garrett. Holy cow! Between the two of them, they've they've got about ten pounds of fat and and, and four hundred pounds of muscle. Um, I'm not looking forward to playing them, Sean. I'm not looking forward to it. Two things. Number one, um, just one last thing on the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and him having trouble with us. You know what he's really going to have trouble with? The fact that we pay, play him twice, which is 120 minutes. And for those 120 minutes, Al Villanueva has to line up opposite T.J. <laughs> Watt. That's going to be bad news. And I love Al Villanueva. I, I, I'm a very big supporter of our military. I, 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 I think he's great for that. And I think he did a really good job as a lineman for the Steelers for many years, but he's past his prime. He, he he's finished. Secondly, uh, on to Cleveland, not to the, and I like Baker Mayfield too, because I like my quarterbacks. I, I like the swag, man. I, I, I like it. I, I like it a lot. I like the cockiness and, but not to the extent Lamar Jackson is, but Baker Mayfield a little bit, I, I believe it's lucky that he has that running game that he does because that makes the game a lot easier for him. If you can, when Cleveland's going to have trouble and this is easier said than done is, is when you limit that running game and try to make Baker Mayfield beat you. And, and everybody wants to talk about, Oh yeah, you're a Steeler fan. They, they went into your house and, and beat the crap out of you in the playoffs. I get it. That's, that's, that's the last vision you have. And I have it too. Believe me, it's, it sucked all, all winter, all spring, and through the summer. But the numbers are what the numbers are. The offense gave that game away immediately. And secondly, take a look at Ben Roethlisberger's record against the Cleveland Browns over his career. What's, I, I think he's lost to him three times maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's another one. For like the last six years, nobody has won an offseason like the Cleveland Browns have. But I, I think finally their play is going to start matching up to those expectations. And, and I'm kind of the same way. I'm, I know I said earlier that I hate the Browns. I, I don't hate the Browns because I'll be completely honest with you, and this is going to piss some people off. For the majority of my life, the Cleveland Browns have been irrelevant. I don't yeah. care. Yep. They, they, weren't, they weren't a factor. Okay. And I, I want that to be a rivalry again. It's not a rivalry 
if one team's beating the other one every time they play. But I think probably Cleveland will get us in Cleveland and we'll win in Pittsburgh just because they've, they've caught up enough. But I think it's going to be real interesting, you know. And just people say it, it's, it's just one week. And I get it. It is just one week. But, but look at the difference here. Pittsburgh was able to finish a contender on the road that's a win against somebody that you hope you're going to be fighting for home field with. Cleveland had the chance to do the same thing and had Kansas City on the ropes, but couldn't knock them out. Mm-hmm. Sean, let's uh, let's tie this thing up. But before we get out of here, I want to want to hit one last thing in the NFL, not necessarily Valley related. Um, it was the Detroit Lions involving Jeff Okuda, who was an Ohio State player, third overall pick in the 2020 draft, a cornerback. And what caught a lot of attention uh, on social media, but also um, just large media outlets, ESPN included, was a session between on the sidelines between Jeff Okuda and the Detroit Lions defensive back coach. I don't recall the coach's name. Um, but the coach was very upset. Jeff Okuda had given up a, a long touchdown, 60-yard touchdown. Uh, seemingly, uh, he, he, he did the wrong mission on his defensive play call. Defensive back coach, to say he was upset was an understatement. Sean, did you see this, this social media clip? So for the folks that didn't see this clip, uh, they're on the sidelines. Jeff Okuda was sitting on the bench uh, with a couple players around him. The, the coach was kind of squatted down, so he was looking at him eye to eye, very animated, um, probably about three inches between their faces. Um, he was very animated with his hands, you know, talking with his hands a lot. You could tell he was extremely upset. It was very clear that he was screaming, um, very clear that he was upset. This session went on for, for probably about two, three minutes. Uh, he even tried to walk away a couple of times, but he couldn't. And it caught a lot of attention because most people were saying how overreactive this coach was. Sean, I know I got feelings on this. I want to turn it to you. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'll tell you why I love it. If you want to be great, and if you're in the NFL and you're Jeff Okuda, who was a number three draft pick, overall, you want to be great. You want to be coached hard. And what aggravates me is this is the media today. And I don't want to sound like that guy. That's the clip they show. The clip they don't show you is that afterward, both of them had their heads touching each other, smiling and hugging each other. That tells me what I need to know. Mm -hmm. we're, We're trying to make stories where there aren't stories. This guy's making millions of dollars. The other guy's making a lot of money. Whether you believe it or not, this is the fact. And I think it was the late Sam Weiss who said this. Or maybe, I don't know, either Sam Weiss or Buddy Ryan, somebody like that. It was an old school guy. And he said the NFL, I don't know, maybe Jerry Glanville. The NFL stands for not for long. There's a lot riding on this. 
And if you've never played a game at a high level, and I haven't, but I, I've been fortunate enough to be around enough of them, it's intense as all get out. That kind of stuff happens every week. I've seen TJ Watt and, and Keith Butler doing that, just going at each other. And nobody takes it personally because both sides are just trying to get the best out of each other. And the people who complain about that kind of stuff probably shouldn't be watching the game in the first place because it's not for you. It's intense. It's heated. That kind of stuff's going to happen. That is a nothing burger for me. I agree with you. Coach, coaching looks different at all times. Sometimes coaching is putting your arms around a, a kid's uh, shoulder and, and talking to him. Sometimes coaching is giving a high five. Sometimes coaching is hugging each other. Sometimes coaching is nose to nose, pointing fingers and screaming. And what some people don't realize, or a lot of people don't realize is, hey, sometimes it's just emotions. Other times that is a calculated strategic play by the coach too. Every athlete, especially at that level, responds in a different way. Um, and I don't know if that was a strategic play by the coach or not. I don't know if he was just really in his emotions. I don't know if it was a strategic play, but what I do know is he was trying to coach him up. What I do know is he was clearly disappointed. What I do know is he obviously cared about him or he went and went out of his way to do what he did. And I think that was what should have got attention to your point. They're focusing on the wrong things, trying to create this narrative that that's, you know, that's not okay. And, and you even had people trying to do the cancel culture thing of that's not acceptable. Folks, that's what coaching looks like. For all of our young players out there that saw that, that's the kind of coaching you should be craving because that's the kind of coaching that's going to make you better. Neither one of those guys care anything about that situation. Like, it's not a lasting thing. You know what they do care about? Later that day, Jeff Bakuda blew out his Achilles and is done for the year. That's what they care about. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Probably the first guy to go over and console him was that coach. Because yep. he knows what it means to him. And you're, you're exactly right. And it's, uh, it's not on that level at all. But uh, same thing with, with my daughter and I. Like, we will get heated. And she will give it back to me. And as long as it's in the context of a game and not at home, I'm completely fine with that because that shows as long as it's respectful, you know, that shows the hunger and the desire and the willingness to do what it takes to be great. And whether it's a coach, whether it's a boss, you know, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. none of us are right all the time. Yep. I think it's completely healthy to have that back and forth exchange. And I, but I don't even think it was really back and forth in that case. Jeff just sat there and took it because he knew Yep. like, listen, listen, and, and maybe if it was too far, maybe it was in the fact that the coach just couldn't walk away because the first person who knows he screwed up is the play. Like I get it. You know, yep. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and listen to it because that's, that's the job. But I know I screwed up. Yep, completely agree with you. So we've got a lot of great games, tremendous games on slate this week at the high school level. We've got some good games at the college level. And then we've got some great games in the NFL level, specifically with our Steelers, too. Make sure you check out our website, ovathletics.com, to check out Sean's predictions for this week's high school football games. 
Sean, you're batting pretty good. What are you, 700 for the year? Uh, I was terrible last week. You know what? I don't think I don't know if I I don't know if I updated my my percentage. Take another take another look at that. Take another look. Make sure you did. Sean's been doing pretty good though. He he had a rough week last week, but overall, uh, he's picking more winners than he does losers. So make sure you you take a look at his high school predictions. And uh, college and professional sports, we've got a big one for WVU. They're going to renew a rivalry here with Virginia Tech. Really looking forward to that game on Saturday. Ohio State's going to play a tune-up, what should be a tune-up game against Tulsa. West Liberty is going to play Notre Dame College. Notre Dame College is nationally ranked. They just beat Willing University last week. Willing University is going to get a chance at Anderson Broadus, who we, uh, West Liberty just played last week. Bethany College earning for another tough week. They're going to be traveling to Washington Jefferson this week. And then our Steelers, they've got the Raiders, who we saw on Monday night. Every NFL game is competitive, so you know they got to bring it. For everyone out there, I want to remind you, we've got some great, great college football locally. Uh, don't sleep on Division Two and Division Three football. Uh, Wheeling University has nine kids from the OVAC on their team this year. Bethany College Division Three has 10 local kids from the OVAC on their team this year. And get this, Sean, West Liberty has more local kids on their team than Wheeling University and Bethany combined. West Liberty has 23 kids from the OVAC on their team. Uh, six of them are starters on, on both sides of the ball. Folks, great football right here in the Ohio Valley at the NCAA D2 and D3 level. Get outside your house. Go check these kids out. Go support those schools. Thanks for tuning in this week. Also, want to again, thank Ohio Valley Nutrition for sponsoring this podcast for all of our small and large business owners out there. Uh, we're taking on two more slots, uh, sponsorship slots on this podcast. If you're interested, please email me at Brian. Brian at ovathletics.com. Again, that's Brian at ovathletics.com. Thank you for our listeners. This is Ohio Valley Athletics, the Ohio Valley's number one site for local sports talk. We'll talk to you next week.